Because so many people are spending their ad dollars in so many different places, it's, it is kind of hard to pinpoint what's helping my business grow and what's a waste of money, quite frankly. Welcome to Agents of Change, a podcast about the future of B2B marketing, featuring insights from executives at top agencies. I'm Danielle O'Neill with Leadtail. Let's hop on in. Hi, welcome back to Agents of Change. I'm very excited today. I have Matt Engelson. He is the digital marketing director over at Sage Frog Marketing. And I'm really excited to talk to him. He has a lot of thoughts on all things digital, SEO, paid, programmatic, technology, everything. So I'm excited to hear from him and have his thoughts today. Hey, Matt. Hey, Daniel. Thanks for having me. I'm uh, excited to uh, see what topics we hit. <laughs> I feel like we're going to hit many just based on the conversations we've already had. Yeah, that it's been a long week. So I'm excited. Mine's <laughs> a little bit everywhere. This is true. This is true. Just a, a note for everybody. We're recording this on a Friday afternoon. And so it's been a very long week for us. And <laughs> there's been a lot happening in news cycles and everything else. And so there's a lot on our heads today as we come into this, I think. Yeah, for sure. Well, let's go ahead and jump right into it, Matt, because something that you and I were just talking about, the elephant in the room, AI. We have the Washington Post article that came out today. There's a lot of talk about AI, um, particularly here in marketing. It's coming for our jobs. There's a lot of areas that we need to be aware of. So in your opinion, what does this mean for our jobs? What does this mean for our industry? And what are we looking at here in the next year or two ahead? Well, I, I think... We're going to certainly have to learn how to use it. I don't think it's going to come for our jobs right away. I'm very curious slash nervous about how it's going to change people's experience on search. So I don't know if, if websites are going to be all that necessary for much longer, which is kind of scary. But, um, you know, Google used to hey, we're going to get you to that website you're looking for as fast as possible. And now it's, we are going to keep you on Google for as long as possible. So that's going to be a huge change in how our, how is content and how are people's websites, companies' websites going to be found if everything can be answered right on the results page. Yeah, with Google. It's a little bit nerve-wracking to be honest. Yes. So, well, and it's going to change the paid strategy too. It's going to change our SEO. Yeah. For, for paid, we've been like leaning in, like they've made huge improvements in their um, automated bid strategies, for example, which is AI machine learning. As far as I'm concerned, it's gotten a lot better the last couple of years. We used to use um, third party tools to help us, manage bids for our larger accounts. And we don't really need those tools anymore because, you know, max conversions, max clicks is working so much better than it used to. So. Yeah. That's fantastic. And you guys, I know, particularly you have really been on top of where this is all going when it comes to these analytics and some of these other changes that we've had. What are some of the biggest changes you've seen so far? 
and analytics. We're just trying to obviously get used to GA4 coming in. So hopefully that transition um, is a smooth one for clients. I know, you know, just using our Visual Data Studio tools, that's looking so different now compared to um, UA. We have clients, prospects asking us about pixelless campaigns that are run like totally in-app, just in Facebook or in Instagram, using the different ad formats to move people down the funnel. Um, iOS 14 is not being very helpful in that, obviously. So we have to deal with that as well. I think that's obviously pushing people to do those pixelless campaigns. It's certainly going to um, affect, you know, anything in healthcare and patient data, stuff like that. Thankfully, in B2B, we don't have to do much of that, but we're still seeing the the effects because we are in the healthcare space. Yeah. I mean, we all do have those clients in that space. And so that's something that we're going to have to be cognizant of and also willing and able to adapt to those changes. Yeah. It, it's a lot. It's <laughs> a lot. <laughs> like, it's, a, it's a little too much all at once, to be quite honest. <laughs> and it's never a dull moment, especially when no. they roll out new changes. Yeah, with, with AI changing, with analytics changing, I wish it wasn't happening at the same time, but we have a, a, a great copy team who's leaning into ChatGPT and learning how to write better prompts. So that's obviously helpful. Um, I do think, you know, if you just ask it to write a blog, it's pretty obvious that a machine wrote it and not a person. Um, but certainly it's getting better. Um, I was watching a news story uh, about it actually uh, on CNBC where it uh, it apologized for citing something incorrectly. I thought that was very interesting. That's scary and interesting. <laughs> but um, yeah, we're going to have to learn how to use it. But I definitely think for now, for the foreseeable future, I think our jobs are safe. I, I, you know, I have to do so much of this, talking to people. And uh, right now, a computer can't do that. So I have to, you know, get on Zoom, explain the data, make recommendations. And the computer's not doing that just yet. So Not yet. Not yet. <laughs> not yet. Fingers crossed. We can't run our client meetings yet. Right. So. <laughs> and I that, fear for, I yeah, I fear for the AI generated Danielle that is running <laughs> those meetings someday. That'll be interesting to see. Well, let's let's move on from AI. Um, let's talk about things that we actually do know and understand instead. Yes. And one thing that I loved in our initial conversation, you were telling us about the personas that Sage Frog uses. Um, and how you really use these personas to kind of help identify not only the clients that are coming to you and really what they are needing, but also it helps us set those expectations for success. Um, so I think you'd mentioned Marketing Mary and Decision Maker Dave. I loved that. Yeah, that was, yes. We have pictures, slides, data, approximate ages. 
Um, but yeah, <laughs> we, we have all kinds of data on uh, our personas that we used to go out and advertise to, as well as to help us understand what their needs are once they come to us so we can, you know, strategically plan their marketing. That's fantastic because that will help you with setting those expectations for them. So let's talk about each. Like, tell me just a quick quip about Marketing Mary and Decision Making Dave. Yeah. So Marketing Mary in, in a B2B setting, which I've been doing since 2016 at SageFrog, is a lot of times like a one woman or one man show. And they have to do so many different things. They don't really have the time in the day to, to do that and have some kind of life outside of work. It's just not possible. So they know they need help. They don't exactly know what they need help with, but they typically reach out to us with very generic kind of questions like, we, our website's outdated. How can you update it? We're, you know, we're not getting as much traffic as we once were. How can we do that? They have an ads account that is like on set it and forget it mode, which is not ideal, obviously. So they reach out and then they're, they'll present uh, Sage Frog to, you know, their boss. And we're like, hey, our job is to make you look like a rock star to your boss. So whatever it is, we'll do to help you, you know, do your job. And then, you know, typically boss comes in, decision maker Dave, and he'll have it somewhat similar goals or sometimes completely out of left field goals. So there's a lot of expectation setting that needs to be done. And we try to do it in biz dev, uh, you know, right away. And then we continue to do it. If you don't continue to set expectations, by the time you're, you know, three, four months into the plan, they're long forgotten. Yep. Yep, exactly. So when you're having those initial conversations and you're setting those expectations with each of them, as we know, there tends to be a little disconnect. Everybody has their own decision-making Dave. He has his own, this campaign has to do X because I need it for this. Whereas Marketing Mary wants more engagement or overall brand application. So what do you do when those two parties aren't speaking to each other? So then maybe expectations aren't being met with them. Yeah, we try to kind of get them all in the same room at the same time together and explain like, you know, doing social media is great and it helps out marketing Mary a ton. But it doesn't exactly produce the ROI that decision maker Dave is looking for. But we're still going to charge you for it because it's taking up our time. It's taking up our services. So we kind of force them to prioritize what they want in our scope of work. And it helps them align their goals. So we, do, we ask a ton of questions. We want to know their customer lifetime value. We'll go in their HubSpot and look at their deals, try to calculate the ROI. You know, when I see a, a client that, you know, one of their deals is seven figures and they're complaining over spending $100,000 over the course of a year, we have an uphill battle. So, and that's pretty common in B2B. 
Yeah, absolutely. We see it all the time. And so we know that those conversations can be difficult with clients. I mean, how do you, how do you approach that outside of getting them together, but being able to even arm marketing Mary with what she needs? Like what's your overall approach with these more difficult conversations? So it's usually first it starts with what they've done previously and where it got them. So we do a a lot of due diligence into analytics, into HubSpot, into their CRM. And then we ask them what their goals are. Mm -hmm. And then we talk about how are we going to bridge that gap from where you are in 2022 to where you want to be in 2023. And they, they have, they usually have different answers and it's quite entertaining <laughs> for them to like, for us really to watch them kind of battle it out about what's going to go on. And then they have to usually get their sales team involved in that as well. But we really have a lot of expertise and a lot of knowledge in like, this is, you know, $2,000 a month in sponsored content on LinkedIn will get you this much but it's still not going to get you to where you want to be. Right. So we, we have to sit and explain from our experience what each tactic is going to provide. And then, you know, we have back and forth till we land on, you know, an agreement with an SOW. A lot of times there, you know, when you're really hungry and you go to a great restaurant and your eyes are bigger than your stomach and And they typically have to come back down to earth a little bit with their goals is what I really try to, to shoot for is a more realistic goals. I, I've, I, we said, I said this in the um, initial conversation, like I've had prospects reach out who are looking for the ROI of a lottery ticket. Yes. Yes. And it's, and they're serious about it too. Mm -hmm. And they don't understand why it's that doesn't work like that. Why can't you guarantee this for me? Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we never say that with the G word. We never say that. Exactly. <laughs> but yeah, it's a lot of back and forth in biz dev. There's usually at least three meetings that we have before we're set on a on a plan. And then we spend the first month or so once they sign like working out the strategy, what's going to get us there? Mm-hmm. Because if you got to think the long term. You don't want to, you know, sacrifice the long term for these short term gains, which a lot of time is the goal of decision maker Dave. Like he wants ROI like tomorrow. Yeah. yeah. So like I'll have um, like a giant J curve up on a screen from investment banking land and explain to them that's what, you know, the ROI is on SEO, on a new website. And I'll say, this is where we are, and it's going to go down first. Yep. And they and they get it because they're looking at it, and they understand, and, you know, we've sent them an invoice, so they, give, they start to process that it's not going to happen right away. <laughs> that's perfect. That's perfect. Well, I mean, that's, that's part of... I think the struggle that we all feel is that clients are always asking us like to, to predict the future, give them that crystal ball 
if we do X, then Y and Z must happen. And as yeah. we know, there's there's a lot that we can't control in marketing. There's a lot that we can't yeah. do. So that's where you have to rely on analytics, like you were saying. Yeah, I, I wish there was more uh, e-commerce in B2B. It's yeah. so much easier. But, you know, I remember reading articles, you know, dating back five years, like, B2C is coming for is coming to B2B. It's all going to be the same shopping experience. And that didn't happen as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. No, I haven't seen that anywhere. Mm-mm. So uh, we have, you know, dozens and dozens of clients. And I can count on one hand how many have e-commerce. And, and that's great. There's, you know, real easy math there to do some ROI calculations. Most of the time... We're getting form fills, we're getting demo requests, and we're waiting months upon months to hear back if a deal ever closed from the work that we did. And then you get into the whole issue of attribution, which is another whole, which is usually the next difficult topic after expectation setting. Like, how do I know this is what I got for this? Yep. Oh boy, here we go. So do you find that you have to have that attribution discussion more with decision maker Dave as opposed to yes, yeah. all the time? Yeah. Marketing Mary just is like happy with like number of leads. She's good. And then, um, you know, even sometimes CMO will be good with like number of leads, but we'll typically get, you know, on, on a call or on Zoom with somebody who wants to just see revenue. Mm-hmm. So, well, and I feel like attribution has become such the buzzword lately. And, you know, everybody is show yeah. me the attribution and how, how can we define attribution here? And talking yeah, attribution that we weren't hearing that as much two years ago. What do you think has tipped it? But now everybody is asking for attribution. I think because so many people are spending their ad dollars in so many different places, it's, it is kind of hard to pinpoint what's helping my business grow and what's a waste of money, quite frankly. Like, so the prospect that I'm thinking about that just re- reached out about pixelless campaigns also asked about attribution. And there is none for pixelless campaigns. Yeah, yeah. I mean, how does it exist? And he asked, he was like, so what tools are you guys using for attribution? I don't know. (laughs) And then, then, you know, with with regular attribution and multi-touch attribution, we we tell them the price of Enterprise HubSpot or, you know, GA4360. And and it's sticker shock for most like small to medium-sized B2B companies that we're dealing with. So we try to, you know, use our best estimates with CallRail, with analytics, with their CRM, and try to put a puzzle together for them that shows something. Yeah. Yeah, that's always a hard one of how to approach that. It is. It's very difficult. And that's what we get asked all the time. Mm-hmm. Gotta love those questions. <laughs> Answering as best as we can. Yeah. They're, and they always ask, are you sure? 
And I'll explain something. I'll be like, are you sure? And I'll be like, nope. <laughs> nope, because everything I told you is going like, to change next week. Yes. Yep. Exactly. And who knows how long I'm going to know this before it's completely changed. And now I have to learn something else. Right. So uh, I'm thankful that some clients are understanding of that and have been in this long enough. But we have a lot of clients, especially in B2B, and it's shocking, I think, in 2023 are just starting their digital marketing journey. So like setting expectations and talking about attributions and attribution for, is like way over their head. Yeah, yeah. But, They're still five years away from that. Yeah. So thinking about like expectation settings is a lot for them. And then we'll get into, you know, attribution way down the road. Yeah. Yeah. It's that first expectation. And I think that's where it's sometimes hard for us marketers to, to really almost lay down the gauntlet when we're talking expectations. Um, I know for me personally, I always want to do whatever I possibly can for the client. And yeah. sometimes that includes going above and beyond what we've already agreed to. But then we also have to fully understand what are the expectations of what it is that we're trying to achieve here. Yeah. I, I have a colleague and she's famous for saying like, Hey, I'll stand on your head. if That's what you want me to do. Um, she's much nicer than I am. Uh, <laughs> but when it comes to that and, you know, arguing over the fine points and the vagueness or specificity in an SOW as far as like their expectation goes, like, hey, you said you would do this in X amount of time. Where is it? And yep. it, it gets to be a lot very quickly, unfortunately, yes. because the, the pressure is on these small companies, I think, with, you know, how our economy is doing or not doing. Uh, so. Well, and then that's also where we have to remind them of taking time for things. And I think that's where a lot of times there is, we all have our own timelines. You know, we know that this will take this amount of time, but the clients in their head may say, well, we only have two months for this as opposed to the six months that you're telling me we're going to achieve this. Yeah. We see that all the time in web development with expectations yeah. setting around that. So we'll say, Hey, our, our website, our custom website, is going to take four months. And they're like, all right, we need it in two. Right. <laughs> we have a product launch in six weeks. How can we make that happen? And unfortunately, I feel you know, we've launched some sites that are half finished or, and then we'll go back and do the rest after the trade show or event that they needed the new homepage for, which is not ideal certainly for search and things like that. You're doing redirects and then you're undoing redirects, but it's possible. Uh, we really do try to please all our, our clients, uh, you know, sometimes to their detriment, which they don't even realize. Exactly. Exactly. And that's sometimes where we have to stand up and, and be the bad guys. But I hate that role so much. Yeah, I've kind of been, so we have a, an account management team and they're, you know, in charge of client satisfaction. So we never want them, you know, asking for money or saying no, because you're never going to be satisfied with somebody who keeps asking you for money. 
Uh, so I've kind of been thrust into that role a little bit where I've really relied on the data to ask for more money or say no. So I have at least something to back me up because I don't want to just go in with an opinion about, I think you're going to need to spend more. I'm going to show them that their search loss impression share is, you know, 80% and their ads are showing, you know, when I say, hey, your ads are only showing 20 out of 100 times possible. That sounds a lot better than you need to spend more. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's all about that positioning. I like that. Yeah. It, it, it's worked very well for me, but I'm still labeled the bad guy or <laughs> it doesn't, <laughs> I guess it doesn't really come off when they are, you know, writing another check or giving me a new credit card. It still bothers them, but, <laughs> but it's not as bad. Right. It's, yeah. yeah. And, and the one thing you said was interesting about timing. So it, uh, in B2B, the, we have really long sales cycles. Mm-hmm. And sometimes they don't even, like our clients don't even consider that Yep. when they when we're setting expectations. Like they don't even realize how long it takes for their own colleagues to get these deals. Mm-hmm. And we have to remind them of their own sales cycles at times. And yeah, I find that to be wild, but it's happened. I mean, we've had to do the same when we're thinking about the time of close from when we've started a campaign and so when they can actually say that, yes, we got a client out of that and remind them that's, you know, our timeline, our six, eight, nine month timeline, whatever it is, is on top of your 12 to 18 month sales cycle. So keep that in mind that, you know, these aren't all going to run concurrently usually. Um, So that has to add to that. Yeah, I'm always very curious about like leadership teams in marketing, whether they have the philosophy of like, Hey, we can lead a horse to water, but do we have to make it drink? Like you should be happy with the amount of leads and all that stuff. I got you, whether it turns into money is on you guys. And I know our CEO is also like my client. So I'm running our ads and all that stuff. And he is not, it's got to turn into money. So that's, kind of the mindset I've gotten in. I've also had other bosses in the past where it's like, you got them all these leads. It's on them. So I'm very curious, like what your listeners out there have experienced as far as that goes. And yeah. And how they've been able to work that. Yeah. Cause it is, it's tough. I mean, you have to be able to show the value there, but then at the same time, I can't be on the calls with your sales team to go in and right. close. Exactly. There's only so much I can do for you. Mm-hmm. Right. So I, yeah, we, I have one client where we are tracked against demo requests. It's not really on us to provide the the revenue, but man, I feel like the pressure is because if those demo requests are not turning into revenue, maybe I'm getting them from the wrong per- people or. Right. Yeah. So, yep. Yeah. So maybe that's a time to look back at those personas. Yeah, we, we do a lot of that. Mm-hmm. We do that with every client, especially when, yep. you, you know, there's so much around demand generation now. And that like all hinges on, it all hinges on, you know, having a really good solidified persona. Mm-hmm. Yep. And personas change. I mean, you know, if you're telling me you haven't changed your persona in three or four years, then I'm going to come back and tell you you haven't done your research on who it really is that you're selling to. 
Yeah, we're we're always um, showing clients like inside tag data in LinkedIn or say, hey, you know, our wealthier clients, I'll push them towards Zoom info, uh, you yeah. know, lead land or something that will show them who's actually coming to their website. Mm-hmm. It's just like when they give us a list of their competitors. We're like, really? That's that's like who you're competing with and it never is. Yeah. Um, it might be like somebody they don't like at a trade show is like who they usually give us a, at a competitor. Like this person, they had a bigger booth, so we don't like it. <laughs> uh, but it's, it's never like the digital who's actually competing for that keyword or for that ad spot. It's always different, but it's true. that's another part of expectation setting is talking like this is what your competitor is doing. We, yep. we do a lot of that, and that's very enlightening for our clients to see. 100%. Yeah, that's huge for them to know where they're putting their time and investment. Yeah. Are, right, Matt, before I let you go today yeah. and get back to your Friday, what are you working on right now that really excites you? Or what's happening right now that is exciting to you? Yeah, so we are launching demand generation as a service for the first time in uh, – 2023 at Sage Frog. So we're doing a lot of that with uh, programmatic starting out to build our awareness. We're having these great landing pages that are ungated with a lot of great content on there. Then we're hallelujah to ungated content. What's that? It's a hallelujah to ungated content. That makes my heart so happy. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's so much of it. Everything can't. Mm hmm. You know, there's got to be some free content out there. Exactly. Yep. But, you know, getting into a lot of the MarTech space so we're able to build lists, not to email. I want to put that disclaimer out there. <laughs> we didn't opt in. I know. Um, but to, to then, you know, upload and, and use as ABM in, in LinkedIn and other places where we're excited about that. We've, we're getting a lot of small to medium sized businesses who are specifically looking for that, especially ones who have, again, we've had, we had a prospect call yesterday. They've never done any digital and an IT company too. So like really tech and they've relied on word of mouth. They've relied on, you know, networking, all that stuff. So. Demand gen seems to fit their their needs of like awareness and lead generation. That's very cool. Well, I'll be excited to watch SageFrog and see what's happening with your demand gen and all the other services that you're offering. Yeah, I'll be sure to let you know. Well, thank you, Matt. Thank you so much. I feel like we've covered a whole bunch of stuff and you likely could have sat here with me for another three hours and I would still have so much more to talk to you about. <laughs> Right. Yeah, I feel the same. And not just because it's a Friday afternoon. But, yeah. <laughs> There's so much we could cover, but I appreciate all of your insights and sharing everything that you've learned so far. And uh, who knows, yes. maybe we'll have you back in a year and we can revisit our AI and see if we yeah, were. Yeah, we should see if our predictions come true or not. That would be interesting. Exactly. Let's do a compare and contrast. <laughs> For sure. You got it. Thanks, Matt. All right. Thank you. Take care.